Don't Sue Me Bro podcast featuring your host, Brandon Harper. Today is August 13th, 2023. It's sometime in the afternoon. Bitcoin is hovering right around $29,000. And I am just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with, others you won't, and I am perfectly okay with that. Because the world would be a boring place if we all agreed about everything all the time. If there's something else you need to know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. And I have a hammock business called worldsbesthammocks.com. Go there, check it out, order yourself a fine hammock. They're the best in the world. Literally, where else can you get the best anything in the world for a few hundred bucks? Check it out, worldsbesthammocks.com. And that, ladies and gentlemen was a one-minute intro. one-minute intro, and I'm, I'm finally going to start taking it seriously, because when I listen to podcasts or watch videos, I cannot stand these long, rambly intros. You know, you, you click on the video or the podcast, and then you spend like three minutes hearing someone talking about what they're going to be talking about, and there's something, there's some trend that happens in the world of YouTube with, maybe it's just the people that I follow or watch or listen to, but if they're interviewing someone, they will play like a 30-second clip of what I guess they feel like is the best part of the interview at the beginning, but they make it so it's like grayscale. So it's it's black and white video of some random clip in the middle of the video that they must think like, okay, this is the best part. This one will get them hooked. And I just fast-forward through all that. I fast-forward through everything, even the sponsor reads. And I know people may fast-forward through mine, but I feel like you come here to listen to me rant about things that are happening in the world. And you don't need to hear all this other nonsense at the beginning because your time is valuable too. But you didn't come here to hear me talk about how much intros suck. You came here because you paid for it and you want to get your money. Oh, wait. No, no, you didn't. You didn't pay for this. You get it for free. Speaking of get things for free, man, I ordered some blinds for my house because, you know... My house had these little baby plastic mini blinds that were probably installed somewhere around the year of 
1997. Half of them were broken, fallen down. Cats and dogs had tried to move them out of the way, and they were just in rough shape. You know, you don't know what the struggle is like. You've never lived life as a, as a poor person unless you go to grab, like, the string on your mini blinds and you pull it and the whole thing just comes crashing down from the little cheap cradle that they're just slid into. And finally, you know what? I thought enough is enough. I, I'm going to have to get some blinds. And I thought maybe some new thick blinds would help bring down my electric bill because my poor little house can't get below 79 in the middle of the day in the summertime. So I ordered my blinds. I went to blinds.com. You know, sometimes I, I tend to shop around and I want to go look at all the websites. But you know what? This time I thought they're all going to be the same. They're all probably going to take forever to ship to me because they probably all get made in China. So I measured all my windows. I sat down. I entered all the windows into the deal. I placed the order. Got myself a discount. I think it was like 917 bucks for all the blinds for my little old house. And, you know, it sounds like a decent amount of money, but really it's not that bad. Man, I remember back when I was building houses, we had an option to include blinds. And we would charge homeowners like $2,500 or $3,000 for, you know, a 2,000-square-foot house, which isn't all that much bigger than mine. So I placed my order at blinds.com, and they say, okay, your order is going to ship out August 4th. This was on July July 14th, I think I placed the order. I said, your, your order is going to ship out on August 4th, and we'll update you when it ships out. Well, what do you think happened? You know my luck. I go, I log into the website, I check it. It says, your order has been delayed. This is on August 4th. Your order has been delayed. Please check back here for updates. Okay, so I check back a week later, August, I don't know, 11th. Your order should ship out today, August 11th. Okay, so I just went back to the website again because I thought it was weird that I hadn't gotten an email telling me my order had shipped. So I went back, log into the website, and I get this message. Your order was supposed to ship August 11th, and it did not. We will let you know when it ships. So here we are, a month in, no shipping. So, you know, this company, they don't have a chat. They don't have an email address. You have to call them. You have to pick up the phone and call them. So I picked up the phone. I called them. What do you think it said? What do you think happened when I when I got through a type to the number and the automatic robot comes on and says, thanks for calling blinds.com. What do you think happened next? You're right. Due to the unusually high call volume, our hold times are extremely long at this time. Of course they are. Of course. Everyone's just so busy ordering blinds right now that you're just overwhelmed. You know, I wish, the, I wish those messages would say, due to our shortage of phone answering humans... We are not able to take your call. So they did the old type in your number and we'll call you back because they said your approximate hold time is greater than 30 minutes. And I just thought to myself, man, how bad must you be screwing stuff up where you have a 30 minute hold time? What do you just have one person answering the phone for all these orders? I guess so. Or maybe two or maybe 200. No matter how many you have, it's not enough. This is getting very, very frustrating to me, which brings me to my first topic. Oh, let me just finish up. So the nice man gets on the phone and he, uh, well, he just says, 
we don't know, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. I said, okay, when would I be able to cancel my order? We don't know, we don't know. I feel like Charlie Brown, womp, 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 womp. This guy's just wasting his breath. I'm like, dude, just give me like one word answers. We don't, I don't need to hear about all this other irrelevant stuff. So he says, please hold while I send an email to the manufacturer because they don't work on Sundays. And I thought, wait a minute, why am I ho- I'm holding while you're sending an email? So I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Do I need to really sit here while, while you send the email and then you're going to come back and tell me that you sent the email and then you'll get back to me, right? Yes, sir. I said, okay. Do I need to sit here and hold? Yeah, you know, it's our policy. You have to, um, you have to wait. I said, this is why you got 30-minute hold times. <laughs> so I sit there for like five minutes and the guy comes back. Okay, I have emailed the manufacturer and we will get back to you. And I go, oh, that's surprising. I didn't know that that's how this would go. Okay, perfect. Thanks for your time. Is there anything? Nope, there's nothing else. Would you mind holding for? Nope, I'm not holding for a survey. Thanks for your time. Goodbye. And so now this experience brings me to my first bullet point. And this is that AI will change this. AI will make this better. You see, AI will solve the problem of humans. Of It will not need human interaction. Even if I can't chat, chat with it on the computer, I could probably still, I'll be able to call in and I'll be able to talk to a robot. And the robot will have amazing processing power. It will be able to decipher my questions more accurately. It will be able to respond faster. It'll be able to p- perform the functions that I need of it faster. Because what it will do, as, as I start asking my question, it'll start predicting what the next thing's going to be. In fact, it'll already know the status of my order before I even pick up the phone. We don't have to go through this. Hang on. Um, let me pull up your order. Typing, 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 typing. It'll just, it'll be there. It'll be ready and they'll know the situation. And I don't know if you've had any experience with the, with the Amazon AI on the, on the app, on the iPhone. But if you need to check on an order, it is so simple now with the, with the AI app. You just, you click the button. It's like check on order and you enter this chat format. And it's like, which order are you checking on? Boom, you click this one. Okay, and, and it comes back. It's like, it'll be there tomorrow. It just tells you exactly what you need without a bunch of, how are you doing today, sir? How are you? Is you having a good Sunday? <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why it bothers me so much, but I don't, I don't care to make small talk with strangers. Like, I didn't call them because I wanted to chit-chat and just see how things were going. The only reason I called is to check on the status of my order. I feel like businesses should be motivated to understand this and think to themselves, hey, instead of trying to build a relationship with a stranger who's mad, just get them the information that they want as fast as you possibly can. And I don't know, you know, maybe I'm alone on this. Maybe some people just, they think, I'm going to just call the blind company, just check check on my blinds and see how old Philippe is doing down there in Houston, you know, he he answers the phone. Sometimes I got to wait 30 minutes to talk to him. But when I talk to him, we have a good little chat and he checks on my blinds. Maybe people out there like to do that, but it is not me. And you you make fun of me. You're like, Brandon, you're so wound up. You're so all the time just mad, mad at the world about how slow everybody moves and how inefficient people are. You mark my word. I'm just a little bit ahead of my time. That's all. Even though I have an old soul, 
my brain thinks in the future. And what we're going to end up saying, one day, you mark my word, we're going to end up telling stories about customer service and how bad it was. And how, man, let's just say you wanted to order some lines and they didn't show up. You had to like pick up the phone and call this number and push one for this and two for that. And then you'll get somebody that barely speaks English. And then they take forever. They don't, they don't even know the products they're selling. Oh, it was such a horrible experience. And people are going to say, wow, man, that seems like such a time waste. I'm going to say, yep. And all my people, all my fans and followers used to get so bent out of shape at me because I'd get mad about how inefficient and slow customer service was. But it's going to get better. It can only get better from here. I, I really do feel like it's gotten quite a bit worse in the last, mm, I'm not going to say just since COVID because it, it kind of started before that. I feel like as the internet's gotten bigger, service has gotten worse. Now, you got companies like Amazon that have turned themselves into a logistics company and they can get you products at the drop of a hat. But as far as needing one-on-one -on -one human resolution, it's, it's getting worse. I, I would love to hear from somebody who thinks it's getting better. So y'all pray for me. Pray for me and my blinds. My blinds show up. My little $917 order of blinds shows up before I call Philippe and just cancel. You know, I don't know how long I give it. I've lived in this house for like four years. I guess I can wait another four more if it takes that long. I love the Mexican people. Speaking of patience, you guys remember that time that your president was was up giving a speech and he called on a dead lady. He called he calls her. He, I think he Jackie. Where Jackie? Where's Jack? Oh, Jackie's not here. I didn't think she was getting an answer. He was she was dead. She had died in a car crash. I want to thank all of you here for in, including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? No, Where's she, Jackie? She's dead. I, I didn't think she was she was gonna be here. Yeah, because she to died. Help make this a reality. What was the first part he said? Representative, Senator, Governor? I want to thank all of you here for in including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun. 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 Why are we doing this? Why, why are we electing these people? You know what I'm excited for, though? I... I'm excited for election season. Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? No. Where's Jackie? She's dead. I didn't think she was, she was going to be here to help make this a reality. And remember when they asked Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House spokesperson, uh, why did Joe Biden call on a dead person to answer? Well, at this time, we are not sure why he was doing that. I'm not going to comment on that, but it was at the top of his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're that not is getting funny. the billion dollars." That's pretty funny. 
I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. Okay. I played that because I want to break down the situation that's going on with the Biden crime family, which I, I would encourage you to just, just, just pat me on the back because all this stuff's coming out, and I've been talking about it since as long as you can remember. So here's what's happening. There's a guy named Devin Archer, and Devin was one of Hunter Biden's business associates. They started a company called, I think, Seneca Rosemont Partners, blah, 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 LLC probably. And so the way that it works, okay, these little rich kids who they're born to parents that are in the wealthy, the classes who make the rules and they know the lobbyists and they write the laws and they drive the, they get driven around in Rolls Royces and they ride yachts their whole life and they don't know what the inside of a commercial jet looks like. But for whatever reason, they think they can lead the common folk like me and you. So these kids go off to college, they go to Harvard and Yale, and they all run around the same circles for the same kids from those same types of families. And then when they graduate, they typically will go to work for a large company. They get a shoe in, somebody gets them plugged in, they get a couple hundred grand a year out of college, and then they go for a couple years, they spin off and do their own version of whatever it is they were doing. So in this case, this Devin Archer guy, he was business partners with Hunter Biden. How they met, I don't know. I don't know if that was covered, but they knew each other, okay? So they started a fund. Now, a fund is just a fancy way for saying a group of people who all give money to a small group of people, and they invest the money for them, and then they give them a return on the investment. So Devin Archer started a fund, and he was going to Eastern Europe to look for people to invest in this fund. He was seeking a hundred million dollars. This this is the kind of investments that these guys do. They don't spend ten or fifteen thousand dollars buying stocks. They fly to Poland and they ask for a hundred million dollars. And places like Poland have it because they're corrupt and they pull money out of their economy, right? The guys in Poland that have a hundred million dollars to spend, they're not innovators. I'm I'm speaking generally, right? Obviously there are some great businessmen out there, but for the most part, they're not innovators. They don't think outside the box. They just have acquired this you know, big family business, and then they go through and they get regulations changed in order to, to support or to further um, benefit their business. And it's called regulatory capture. I may or may not touch on that a little bit later. But anyway, so they go over there looking for $100 million. It's just Devin Archer goes to Poland, and he says, Hey, man, I need like $100 million. You know, we got some good deals coming up. And, uh, you know, these these size deals, if you can get enough money together, you almost can't fail. You got to be pretty stupid. If someone gives you $100 million, you got to be pretty stupid if you can't make 7, 8, 9, 10% on it. Most of these guys want a little bit more than that. But if you're given that kind of money, it's not hard to do something with it. And these guys aren't stupid. You know, they went to some of the best business schools in the world. So Devin Archer trots over there. I think it was someone in Ukraine that recommended he go meet with the Polish, whoever, the big oligarchs over there. So he goes over to Poland. And actually, I think it was the president. I think it may have been the actual president of Poland that he was trying. Could you imagine if somebody went to the president of the U.S.? Well, they probably do, but it's behind closed doors. And said, hey, man, 
give me like 100 milli. I'll give you like 150 back in like 10 years. Anyway, so he goes over there. The guy says, no, I'm not investing in your fund. I don't think you would make the money back or wh whatever. He didn't give him the money. But out of the clear blue, the Polish president, I think he's the president, the Polish dude says, you need to go to Ukraine and talk to Borisma. They are oil company there. And they make natural gas and they're doing very well. And they may need the guy like you on the seat of their board. Now, what that means is when you have a board seat, you're basically, you're advising the company on what to do. Typically, these spots are reserved for people who have access to big money and they know an industry, right? So if I had been the president of Shell Oil for 20 years and then I retire, every board of every oil company is going to be begging me to be on their board, provided I didn't run the company in the ground. So these spots are typically reserved for people who know the industry and have tons of money or have access to tons of money. Because when you have a huge business and you need money, you need tons of it. So they offer him a seat on the board. And he's not really sure why, but he takes it. Because in his mind, it's another whole network, right? He's like, man, I'm looking for money. These guys got money. This is a good networking opportunity. Because really, at this level of conducting business, it's just about networking. It's just about where can you get money to invest? That's really all it's about. And that only happens when you have a big circle of people. So when you can meet one or two people that can plug you into a huge circle of other people, you're going to jump at that opportunity. And they knew that he was buddies with Coke face Hunter Biden. So they offered him a seat on the board. Then they offered Hunter a seat on the board. And of course, Hunter took it. Because I'm sure he thought this would be a great deal to make more connections so that we can make more money. And so what the theory is was that they offered Devin Archer a seat on the board so that he would bring Hunter along. Well, come to find out. Okay, so Hunter, Hunter gets put on the board. He's making like $70,000, $80,000 a month or whatever, something ridiculous. And come to find out what was happening was the state prosecutor of Ukraine, whose last name is Shokin, was poking around at Burisma. Now, Burisma is an oil company in the Ukraine. They are considered to be a state-run slash privately held company, which means the government throws money at them, but they're a private company, so they don't have to open their books. So, supposedly the state prosecutor, which is like their attorney general, was sniffing around saying, wait a minute, guys. What's going on over here? We got to, we're pumping all this government money into Burisma Oil Company, and it's not transparent. It's not clear. We don't know what's happening. Because in other countries, it's not that uncommon for the government to run oil companies so that they can profit and benefit off of the resources. Okay, so keep in mind, they're investigating Burisma, okay? The CEO, the head dude from Burisma, had left the country. Things were heating up so hot, and they were being investigated to such an extent that he's like, you know what? They are sniffing around. They are sniffing around my house, and I don't want to be caught in here with my pants down and my you-know-what in my hand, so I am just going to leave the country. Well, do you think you would have left if he was innocent? I don't know. It's hard to say. There may be a chance that he was like, man, I know I didn't even do nothing, but 
I'm just going to leave because I don't want to fool these jokers, sniff around my business. I already got my money. No, I don't I don't think that's the case, but it could have been, right? We can't we can't just assume he's guilty, but all signs point that way. So now Burisma sees Hunter Biden on their board and they think, "Oh my goodness, that dude's daddy is in charge of the money that the US gives Ukraine in aid and a loan security, right? So the people who loan big money to countries, cuz believe it or not, there are people out there that loan money to countries. Those guys look at Ukraine and they say, you know what? We would loan you the money to issue bonds, but we don't think you're that good with money. You're kind of corrupt. So because of that, if you want to borrow money from us, you got to go get a co-signer. This is like what it was when you bought a car when you were 16. You had to get your mom or your grandfather to co-sign for you because you didn't have good enough credit. So so that's what the U.S. did. They were going to secure a loan. They were going to say, look, we're going to make sure Ukraine's good for this loan. They need whatever billion dollars, and we're going to guarantee it. If they default, we'll pay for it. And that's not such a bad thing because what happens is, think about it. If I loan Ukraine money, and they go and they buy a bunch of stuff, and they build some stuff, and they have a bunch of things, and then they can't pay for it, well, guess who now gets to own all the things? I do. So sometimes these deals are set up to fail so that countries can gain interest in other countries. So Burisma knew that the guy on their board's daddy had control over money that was coming to the Ukraine. So they went to him and they said, dude, bro, this attorney general is sniffing around the house. He thinks that we're all corrupt. We kind of are. We don't want him up in our business. All right. We had a good thing going. But now this dude's going to blow our cover. So Hunter goes, <laughs> after he does his cocaine, he goes to his dad. He says, hey, daddy, uh, what I need you to do is, is do something to get this guy fired. I know, I know you know lots of things and you're a smart guy, even though, you know, Hunter's smarter than Joe because Joe said Hunter's the smartest guy he knows. So even though I'm real smart, you're smarter, get this dude fired. Well, Joe Biden goes, that's easy. I'll just tell him. If they don't fire him, they're not getting a loan guarantee. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over there to Kiev for the 12th or 13th time. You know, I'm such a big shot vice president. I go wherever I want to whenever. I'm going to go over there for the 12th or 13th time, and I'm going to tell them either you fire Shokin or you're not getting a loan guarantee. That's what I'll do. That's what I'll, and you know what? If they tell me that I can't do that, I'll say, son of a bitch, you call the president and ask him because I can do that. And what I'll do is I'll get somebody put in there who's solid. And by solid, I mean in on the take who might give me some too. Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <coughs> others to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess the 12th, 13th time to Kiev and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." 
I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. Someone who's solid. Now, let me ask you this. Why in the world, why in the world does the U.S. feel like that they need to get involved in corruption in Ukraine? Right. What are they? Is Ukraine just so weak? They just need the help from the U.S. Or does the U.S. say, "Mm, this guy's not on our team. We need to get rid of him. We'll make it look like he's the corrupt one. But in reality, the guy Shokin that they fired, he had been known for trying to stop corruption for years. And all the big fat cats didn't like him, but they couldn't say anything publicly because he was looking for corruption. And you can't say like, oh, we're not corrupt, but stop sniffing around my house because then it looks like you're corrupt. You see, this is why a lot of people despise the U.S. We go meddling in other people's business that we do not need to be meddling in. And then we look bad, right? Joe Biden's corruption decisions makes everyone else look bad. And it really sucks. And you got all these idiots running around saying, If you don't have any evidence of Joe Biden's corruption, then he's not corrupt. Which is absolutely asinine. Because these guys don't sign contracts. They don't put written deals together that says, Hey, here's the deal. Sign here. If you don't fire him, you don't get the money and sign on this paper. No, of course not. That's how they get caught. So, naturally, that's, in my opinion, how it probably all went down. So, everyone got what they wanted. They got the dude fired. They got the corruption guy brought in. And everyone's happy. Hunter got his money. Joe got a cut of that. And Devin Archer was just a pawn. He was just used to set up the deal, at least according to him, right? There's there's two sides to every story. But he's saying that, like, I didn't really have much to do with anything. They paid me to sit on the board. I wanted to sit on the board. I wanted access to all those jokers who had billions and billions of dollars. And so I did. And what happened between Hunter and Joe and these these people has nothing to do with me. But either way, that dude, Devin Archer, is fixing to go to jail for other corruption stuff. So at this level, you know, the, the lines of corruption probably get gray to these guys. Because I'm not speaking for Hunter, but I feel like for most of these guys, they get involved in these deals and it starts out being like, hey, uh, we're going to provide some consulting, right? We got people who need to know how to get things done in the U.S. and I got some connections. I can help them get it done. So what I'll do is I'll charge them for, for for connecting them to the people I know that can help make things happen, you know? happen a little bit faster i know the process i know how to get on the fast track to get things done and then it ends up just paying the people on the other end of the deal to get things done and it they probably convince themselves that well it's not corrupt i mean he's doing what i asked him to do he needed to go on a vacation in a new yacht i gave him the yacht and he got stuff done so in their mind they probably justify i don't know i don't hang around these kinds of people it's why i don't think i could ever make it in politics Because I'm not willing to play those games. And unfortunately, I think that in order to make it in politics, you have to play those games. And here's another game that they have played. And it may sound like they have lost, but really, they have won the game. And this is in the U.S. But first, let me back up. To like 2012, somewhere in there. 
They came out and they said, we need to invest in solar energy. We need to invest in renewables. So they gave billions and billions of dollars to this company called Solyndra. Well, Solyndra went broke. They lost all the money. The government's given them all this money. They said, here, go build solar panels so you can save the environment. And then they said, okay, uh, we did, and we're broke. We have no more money because we can't run a business because we don't know how to, but except only when we get free money. So Mitt Romney got real rich off that deal. And it just happened again. So these corruption, these shams, these idiots that take government money, which is tax dollars, and put it in their own pockets in the name of saving the environment, it's happening before our eyes, and no one is willing to criticize it because they've tied it to the emotions of the environment. It's a brilliant plan from an evil perspective. They took an issue that no one's really sure about, they made everyone passionate about it, then they go funnel money into it, and then they say, oh well, that plan didn't work, the business failed, but they all sold their stocks at the IPO, okay? Let me, I know I'm jumping around a little bit. Remember when Biden said, we're gonna fund, uh, we're gonna end fossil fuels. You mark my word, we'll end fossil fuels. Um, but, but kiddo, I want you to just take a look, okay? You don't have to agree. But I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? All right, so there you go. You heard it from the mouth of the horse himself. You're going to end fossil fuels. Well, one of the companies that they funded was called Proterra, and they were going to be the first bus company that's going to be all electric, even though these people forget where electricity comes from. Just take a listen. I'm going to play a little bit from this video. This is a few years ago, I think two or three years ago, when Proterra came out and they were going to go public. And everyone thought this was going to be the solution to all the greenhouse gas emitting buses because we we got to make the buses electric, even though we're nowhere near the ability. Just, just listen. Just listen. Determined to usher in the age of clean energy. With the $1 trillion U.S. infrastructure bill passing the Senate and headed to the Democrat-dominant House of Representatives, this Proterra is determined to usher in the age of clean energy. With the $1 trillion U.S. infrastructure bill passing the Senate and headed to the Democrat-dominant House of Representatives, this bipartisan bill may be passed shortly. Now, I'm just going to break that down. It said that there's a billion-dollar bipartisan bill that will fund these electric vehicle companies, okay? That's, that's what that just said. Within this infrastructure bill contains funding and incentives towards the electrification of vehicles. This is a generational investment, generational investment to modernize our infrastructure. This is Joe Biden giving this speech at the uh, Proterra site. He went and he toured the site. Actually, I think it was, a, it was a virtual tour. It was back when people were wearing masks on camera, even though there was no one around. It was that time, and he, he t did a virtual tour. And he's very proud about his wantingness to to invest into electric nonsense. Creating millions of good-paying jobs. President Joe Biden has vowed to significantly reduce emissions by 2030 while creating new, well-paid green energy jobs. His administration has identified electric buses as one of the main ways to achieve that goal. With $2.5 billion being directed specifically to American-made electric buses, many people are looking towards Proterra to fulfill this demand. 
Proterra seems to agree, including a slide in their investor presentation demonstrating how their vertically integrated business could apply to many of the goals put forth by this bill. We make our own chargers, we make our own battery modules, we make our own packs. We vertically integrate into any technology where we find that the, the existing supply chain isn't good enough for where we're trying to go from a performance basis. Okay, so that's it. $2.5 billion going into the electric vehicle industry. So how this works is you got some guy whose brother-in-law worked for a company who's pretty high up, maybe CEO, CFO building buses. And he says, hey, we're about to get like $2.5 billion pumped in. We need to start our own bus company. We're going to get the government subsidies. We'll make it. It'll be fine. We can't go wrong. We're going to have this $2.5 billion in our hip pocket. How are we going to fail? He's been in the bus industry his whole life. We got it. We'll, we'll do this, okay? So they spin off to start a company. Then they need a little bit of money to get started before they, they can get the $2.5 because they got to look like they know what they're doing, at least to the public. So what they do is they run around, they start raising money. They say, look, invest in our business. We're going to build these electric buses. We're going to get money coming in from the government, and we'll be, we'll be fine. We'll be set for life. You know, we can't fail. we got free money. So they round up a bunch of investors. They raise a few billion or a few ten billions of dollars. And they start building this company. And then the money's coming in from the government. And they're showing this massive growth and expansion. They're investing. They're spending all this money, driving up the valuation of this company. And then the goal is to go public. Because when you go public, you get mo' money, mo' money, mo' money. You just, it, it rains on you, right? If you own shares of a company when it started and it was little, or right when it first started, and then you go all the way to, to going public, which means you allow anyone in the world who wants to buy shares or pieces of the company to buy them. And now your shares are worth way more because you built a bunch of buses. You've vertically integrated. You've done all the things you said you were going to do. Now, yeah, you had money. But either way, you got it done. The average public doesn't know that all this money that came in was subsidies. Or if they do, they're trying to get in on the game as well, right? They're looking at this business. They're saying, man, they can't fail. They're getting money pumped into them. They don't have to be profitable. But eventually, the marketplace determines who makes it and who doesn't. Because not only do you have to build these buses and sell them to cities and counties, but you've got to fix them when they break, and you got to have people to work on them. Well, Proterra ran into some issues, but I'll get there in a second. I'm going to play to the next part of this video about going public. In late 2020, Proterra announced that it would be going public via a reverse merger with Arclight Clean Transition Corp, or ticker symbol ACTC. Now, re Don't worry about the details. That just means they're going to go public. Recently, their ticker symbol has changed to PTRA and are now trading on the NASDAQ under that ticker symbol. Now, Proterra is actually uniquely positioned, a California-based company based in the United States, being one of the few companies that actually makes electric buses. Its biggest competitor, BYD, is a Chinese company based out of China that delivers across the globe. Now, Okay, that's enough of that. So, Proterra, they built the company, they got the money, they went huge, and then guess what happened? Just last week. Oh, you're right. They filed for bankruptcy. Here you have it. 
New this morning, electric bus and truck maker Proterra says it's seeking Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection from a federal court in Delaware. The California company is a supplier of buses for transit systems across the nation, including Greenville. President Biden took a virtual tour of the Greenville factory in 2021 to highlight electric vehicle makers. According to Proterra, it intends to maintain normal operations and will file motions with the court to use existing capital to keep funding operations. The company also says it's taking action to separate its business units to maximize their independent potential. That's just all a bunch of fancy way of saying these fools are broke, right? Chapter 11 just means you get to go back to all the people you owe money to, right? All the people you, you borrowed money from or, or bought materials on credit and you say, ha, 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 we're not paying you and they get protected. They get protected for defaulting on their debts. But you see, what doesn't matter to the people who invested is that they already sold. They, they've already jumped out. They, when the Proterra went public, they sold to anyone who would buy it at an extremely inflated price. So they're long gone. That's why you never hear about them anymore because the people who were in the scam, they bailed. They can say, hey, I'm not... I hadn't been involved with that company since 2021. It's 2023. They ran themselves in the ground for the last two years. It's all a big scam. And if you want to call me a right-wing conspiracy theorist, tell me how I'm wrong, you know? Tell me where I'm messing up. Because I'm interested in this stuff, right? It's easy for me to read about it and listen to it and learn about it because I like it. And so I just... I challenge the people who say, Well, you don't have any evidence that Joe Biden is corrupt? But it's right before our eyes. We have to pay attention to this kind of stuff. And you don't. You just got to pay attention to me because I'll pay attention to this stuff for you because I like it. I don't like the fact that they're doing it, but the way that it all goes down, it, it makes sense to me. I understand how it works, and that's part of the thing that infuriates me. Is because a person with high moral character, with, with high integrity, a person who was raised right, they don't be acting like this. They don't be doing this kind of stuff, right? A person with high integrity and high moral values, they don't be having like 20-something shell companies like the Bidens do. And they don't, they're not the kind of people who say, well, if you can't prove it, I'm innocent. Because they have, they're guided by a moral compass. They've been taught these things are right. And these things are wrong. And we can see, based on how Joe's son turned out, the kind of person that he is. And I know that doesn't seem fair to characterize a book by its cover, but all you got to do is look at the fruit. It's sitting right next to the trunk. But that that's it. That's all I'm going to say. I broke it. I broke the story. I yanked, I yanked the thing. I yanked the, I yanked it. I yanked the um, thing. And I'll move on down the road because I'm running way behind schedule. Uh, you, you got you got the, some big testicles to pull this off, bro. Tell me about it. Can you imagine how stupid they think we are? You know, they're probably sitting there talking to themselves, man. These people, they'll never know. They're so out of touch with what's happening and they don't know what we're doing. They'll never know. And you know what? They're right. Most people will never know. They'll just vote for someone because... He seems like a nice man. Meanwhile, he molests children. We go back a long way. She was 12, I was 30, but anyway. <laughs> this woman helped me get an awful lot done. Anyway. I bet she did, Joey. I bet she did.
Okay, next topic is, you guys remember, remember when Trump won in 2020? And all the Democrats said, this is, this is election fraud. This is not, he's an illegitimate president. He's not, he cheated. He stole the election. Okay, you may not remember that. But I've got a 12-minute clip of these jokers saying that exact thing. Now, I'm not going to play all 12 minutes of it. I don't know I don't know how or when I'm going to stop it, but I'll stop it. And I apologize. This is one of those videos that, man, I can't tell you how much I hate. I cannot stand the way people add dramatic music underneath videos. You'll see what I mean. This is a very common Republican tactic where they use fear, dum 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 to intimidate you and to scare you. But so I will apologize for that. I don't know how to find it otherwise. So here you go. Here you go. Take a listen to all the Democrats saying he's cheated. He stole it. You can run the best campaign. You can even become the nominee. You didn't, though. And you can have the election stolen from you. How can you win with Russian interference, though? That's, That's what real I'm thing. scared about no, in 2020. But, but rightly. Because right. I think he's an illegitimate president that didn't really win. So how do you, you know, fight against that in 2020? You are absolutely right. He's an illegitimate president in my mind. Would you be my vice presidential candidate? <laughs> Folks, look, I absolutely agree. Trump didn't actually win the election in 2016. He lost the election and he was put in the office because the Russians interfered. That was Jimmy Carter, by the way, former president. Trump knows he's an illegitimate president. The president-elect, although legally elected, is not legitimate. I don't see this president-elect as a legitimate president. You said you believe that Russia's interference altered the outcome of the election. I do. We have a president who, if in fact it is proven, uh, has been assisted by the Russians and may in fact not be a legitimate president. The one thing that Trump is fearful of uh, when it comes to his being president is that finally we will see how illegitimate his victory actually was. I have an objection. I object to the 15 votes from the state Sheena. of North Carolina. I object because people are horrified. He's an illegitimate president. Do you believe Trump is a legitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference. But there absolutely is a cloud of illegitimacy. So that legitimacy is in question, yes. Okay, okay, okay. you get the idea. Yeah, right. That was a minute 30. There's like 11 or 10 and a half more minutes to go. But so they were claiming Russian collusion, Russian interference, illegitimate president. But now when Trump was saying like, hey, the election was stolen, you don't have any evidence. You don't have any ev other one is evidence. You don't have any evidence. This is the most free and fair election. They just denied it and denied it. And my question is, right, remember, it's the double standards that really get me going, okay? So my question to them is, how long would they have allowed Trump to express his opinion that possibly the election was stolen? Because that's what they did, right? So was it just a matter of time? Was it like, oh, no, well, you're allowed to have that sentiment, but after three months, you have to quit talking about it. Because that's kind of what, what they did. And Trump... Being the guy that he is, he just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and fighting about it. And so, in my opinion, like he cared more than what than they did. And so he kept making a stink about it. So that was a very tainted election. And, and in that sense, it's, it's illegitimate. Why do you, you know, it's not like 
they didn't claim the election was illegitimate. They did. You've heard it. And it just it, it really boggles my mind the way that the all the people who have jumped on the Trump's a threat to our democracy because he says the elections were stolen and he's wrong. All those people, did they not forget what happened in 2016? I mean, we have the Internet. Yeah, we have the ability to go back and see what they said. But nobody cares, you know. Once again, I got to remind myself, chill out, Brandon. We made the Kardashians famous. Do you think the president is going to such great lengths to essentially prove that he beat you? Because he knows he didn't. He knows he's an illegitimate president. So, yeah. You get the idea. I'm just pointing out double standards. That is all. That is all I'm doing. Sometimes I think about, you know, if I had to define America in a single word, what, what, how would I define it? America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. I was in the foot, uh, foot, foot, what? Excuse what? Me, the foothills oh. of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. I don't know that for a fact, but I think I was there with President Xi Jinping in the foothills of the Himalayas. I was listening to a podcast the other day, and it had a guy on there who had had, I believe, one leg and one arm blown off in the bombing during the Afghanistan, whenever they fled, whenever the military and the citizens fled Afghanistan, the whole deal that, that Biden allegedly botched. So the guy was in the hospital. He'd gotten home. He's short an arm. He's short a leg. He's got no arm there, okay? They drag in old slurry mouth, mushy brain Biden to, in, to meet this guy. Which, you know what, is a nice gesture, right? I made some bad decisions. I got two of your limbs blown off. I'm going to come talk to you, right? So he said the entourage of the people walk in there. They all kind of stand around. Then Joe comes shuffling in there, and he starts talking, instantly talking about a story that his son was killed in Iraq and came home with a flag on his coffin. But in reality... The son died from brain tumors, and Joe was sitting right next to the kid when he passed away. And the soldier knew that, and so he instantly felt like this is all a sham. Like, I don't, I don't want to be around this guy right now. So Joe puts out his right hand to shake the right hand of the guy in the hospital bed, but it had just gotten blown off, so he didn't have a right hand. So he looked at Joe and he goes, I, I don't. I don't have a hand. And his other hand was like bound up in a cast or something where he, like he said like a third of his fingers were sticking out. So he's like, I don't, I don't have a hand to shake your hand, sir. So then Joe kind of reached over and grabbed his, his fingers like with his little hand and just shook him, just shook him a little bit. Didn't ask him any questions. Didn't say, how are you doing? Didn't say, thank you for your service. He leaned into the guy and he goes, what do you want? And the guy kind of said he kind of looked back, looked up, and he goes, uh, what? And the guy, well, I guess he was a kid at the time, right? He was a soldier, so in his mid-20s, probably, early 20s. His mom goes, well, no, the, the kid responds to Slurry Mouth Joe and goes, I just I just want to live my life. I just want to want to be me. And Joe said something along the lines of, I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. And then the mom goes, he said he just wants to be himself. He wants to be alone and live his life. And not in the spotlight. He wants to just be alone and be himself. And then, and then Joe said a couple other words and scurried out. 
And so the mom reached out to the, the White House and said, hey, I would like to put together a program so that maybe the government or the VA could assist family members love or loved ones of people who have their limbs blown off and, and pay them for taking care of the people instead of having to pay like some outside service to come by. The mom was like, you know, if I could quit my job, I would be happy to care for my son and I would rather do that. And so she reached out to him with this plan and said, here's what I'd like to talk to you about. They wouldn't even respond. Didn't even write him back. Didn't say, here's who you need to talk to. Uh, I think they just said something like, I don't know. We're working on it. We'll get back to you. And then that's it. That's like, that's it. And so these people, they live in a different world. They don't have the same problems that me and you have. They, they have the mentality of how much money can I give you so that I can compensate you for your problem and you don't say anything bad about me because I got to win another election. Remember when that time Joe, Joe Biden told the soldiers to clap for that, you stupid bastards? Just clap for that, you stupid bastards. Okay, if you say so, Joe. Man, we may be on track for the longest episode in the history of Don't Sue Me Bro podcast. Next topic, please. You know what I hate? I hate fast food. I hate everything there is about fast food. I hate that it's not fast. I hate the drive through I hate the bad service. I hate the getting the order wrong. I hate it when they hand you the change and the dollars and the receipt and the straw all at one time, and then they're following it up with the bag. I don't like any of that. I don't like the experience. I don't like it. And I say all that because last week, I think it was Monday, I finished work. Mondays were closed, so I get in there. I get my work done. I get out of there about 1.30, 2 o'clock. And I've been craving a, chi- a spicy chicken sandwich. I'm going to go get me a spicy chicken sandwich against my better judgment. Because I know that if I just go to Chick-fil-A, I, I will have a less a lesser likelihood of the problems of which I despise. So, But against my judgment, I went to Popeye's. went to Popeye's. I pull up to Popeye's. And I go, yeah, can I get a spicy chicken sandwich combo meal? With the cl- I think it's called a chicken club sandwich or something. It's got... Bacon and Monterey Jack cheese on it, in addition to the spicy chicken. Uh, sorry, sir, we're out of cheese at the moment. Okay, well, I'll have it without cheese. Okay, what would you like to drink? I will have a Dr. Pepper Easy Ice. Because, I mean, let's, let's not kid anyone. If you're going to eat a fried chicken sandwich, don't be silly and drink a Diet Coke. Just drink a Dr. Pepper to go with it. I'm sorry, sir, but our Coke machine is currently down. I just laughed. And I go, is there anything else? You guys have French fries? Yes, sir. We have French fries. Okay. Well, I'll take. How about tea? Do you have tea? Yes, sir. We but we only have sweet tea. We don't have unsweet tea. <laughs> okay. I'll have wh- whatever it is you got. I'll just take it. Just let's just speed this up. So, okay. Can you pull forward? Yep, I can pull forward. Go to the window. I pay the man his money. He didn't give me anything. He just says. Pull up there and park in the little spot. And I drive a big truck. And I go, oh, the little spot? He's like, yeah, sorry. Okay. So I go. I park all sideways in the little spot. I waited 20 minutes. for my. There was no one else around. There was one guy behind me, but nobody in front of me. I waited 20 minutes. They finally come out. And I'm just stewing because I, I hate waiting. I just I don't like to do the things that I don't like to do. My time is valuable to me. So they finally bring it out. And I go, uh, my drink? He's like, oh, you had a drink? 
I did. He goes, well, our co-, I said, I know, I know. Your Coke machine's down. I order sweet tea because you guys don't have unsweet tea. Oh, okay. I'll go get. I'll go back and get it for you. I thought about just leaving, just leaving that sweet tea behind. So he goes and he comes back and he's like, I got you. I, I got you a bigger size. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank you. That's nice of you. Drove off. The tea. They put the hot tea in the cup. It melted the ice in there, so it was like watery warm tea. I just reached out the window, just dumped all the tea out. It brought me a little bit of satisfaction. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to eat this chicken sandwich now while it's hot. Because I'd rather eat it when it's hot than get home and it be cold. Because I, I apparently, as you get older, you like your food hotter and hotter. So I bite into my chicken sandwich. You think it was hot? Nope. It was cold. It had been sitting somewhere <laughs> for a while before it got stuck in the bag. And I thought, well, maybe the French fries would be hot. Maybe they were waiting for the French fries to cook. And that's what took so long. Nope, nope. French fries were cold, too. In fact, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. I feel like the chicken sandwich got microwaved. I don't know. I was just so mad. I didn't care at that point. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to rant. I'm going to rant on my podcast about how much I hate the fast food experience. There's really only two places that don't mess up that much as chick-fil-a and taco bell and i feel like it's just gotten worse since covid i think it's just it's just gotten worse i don't know if there's fewer people who care i don't know if it's harder to get coke machines at work i don't know but the whole covid thing just changed everything for the worse nothing got better because everyone was terrified and demanded that we shut the economy down everything's worse every single thing is worse And we're not to blame the virus. We are to blame our reaction to the flu-like virus. Which now, I don't know if you've heard, but the FDA or some government agency has now approved ivermectin as a treatment for COVID. Can somebody please say, dang, dude, you were so right. Just just at least think that like dang, yeah you know what he was right i remember listening to him when he was in tennessee in a little cabin in 2021 and he called all this he said how it's going to shake out you know if we could all just work together maybe it wouldn't be so bad our world is increasingly more interconnected and interdependent that is especially true when it comes to the climate crisis which is why we will work together and continue to work together to address these issues, to tackle these challenges, and to work together as we continue to work together, operating from the new norms, rules, and agreements that we will convene to work together on. I honestly feel like I could do a better job giving speeches than than that woman could. Uh, Probably in like 10th grade, maybe 11th grade, I could do better. And I think most people could. I'm not an anomaly. I think she's just so careless. She's she's gotten her way her entire career that she feels like she doesn't need to put in work for anything. That's just my opinion. You know what? You may think that she's done awesome things in her career, and you may have some examples of the policy she's gotten behind and put into place in order to make California such a great, wonderfully affordable state But I'm going to have to disagree. And you know what? We might just have to agree to disagree. I'm going to tell you something that's confusing to me. Here's what's confusing. As a white white man, here's what's confusing to me. 
there's times when you will hear black people refer to themselves, and I'm talking about when they say things like our community and we and us, they're referring to other black people. Now, if you're still with me, we can we can go forward. If you're saying, well, no, sometimes when they say the black community, they also mean Asians. Well, then we you can just stop and there's no point in continuing this conversation. But I think generally we can agree that when black people refer to themselves, they say we. Now, if white people refer to black people and white people say them and they, black people tend to get very bent out of shape. And they say, what you mean nay? Who's they? What you mean them? And then and then I'm just scratching my head going, well, time, time out. You just said we, and I'm saying they. How am I supposed to? How am I supposed to convey that? This is what pronouns are for. Once again, it's the double standards that get me. It's just the double standards. And now, if we wanted to flip that whole thing around, would it be acceptable if a white man got up and he said, we need to stick together. We need to support our community. No, he would say, we need to support our communities first. And if, and if the white man got up to somebody running for president and said, what are you going to do for us? What are you going to do for the white people? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. But I do know one thing. If you're going to run around and you're going to preach about unity and together and togetherness and being together, you can't say words like we and us and they and them because that is the opposite of unity. Now, listen, I am for unity. I am, I am looking forward and I'm hopeful that one day we can be an actual nation of one. Because right now, the way things are going, we are not we are not going that direction. We're going the opposite direction. And I feel, at least in my opinion, it's because we allow this type of behavior. We allow people to say these types of things, say we and us, and and but but we can say it and they can't. And if he uses the N-word, we should hang him. But I can use it in rap songs and nobody can care. Once again, it's not the words that I care about. I don't care. I think anyone should say any word at any time, and that's on them, how, they, how they're perceived. But this notion of making things off limits for certain people based on their skin color is just preposterous, and that will further lead to more division, more divisiveness. You see, it's not the president to blame for being divided. It's how we treat each other. We're all responsible for our own actions. We all choose how we're going to treat people. And if we choose to treat them with respect, then it doesn't matter what we call them. Let me give you an example. All right, I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to calm down a little bit. You know, I thought about wearing a blood pressure monitor. If I did like a video podcast one day, I would maybe do like a live feed <laughs> of my blood pressure monitor so you could see when my voice gets to going, I promise you, my, my blood pressure's going up because that's what makes my voice go up. But let me give you an example. So yesterday, I was in the beer land wiping down tables, right, between customer groups. I, I like to grab a rag and a spray bottle, and I go spray down tables. And it gives me a chance to interact with the customers. Hey, guys, you from here? Did you like your meal? How was everything? Was everything good? You know, I get to interact with them. 
without having to just walk up and do the awkward manager stand there. How was everything today, guy? Oh, that's great. Double thumbs up. You know, I don't like that. I walk around, clean tables, talk to people. And there was a group sitting kind of in a corner off to themselves. And it was uh, what I presume would a mom and a dad maybe of, of, you know, probably two people in their 50s, something like that. They were sitting on one side of the table. And then across the table from them was a person. I don't know. I honestly don't know if this a person was a boy or a girl. It could have been either way. And I think that this person did that intentionally. I think that they thought whether they want to be a boy or a girl, they attempted to dress that way. And honestly, I do not care. I don't care what individuals do. It doesn't matter to me. I do think it's awkward. I think it's very strange. I think that they probably have some sort of issues in their own head, which we all do. We all have issues. But I feel like it's it's becoming a trend. It's becoming something that people are kind of doing because everyone's saying it's cool. I don't think it's good for our nation. I don't think it's good for our American values. But you know what? That's kind of where I draw the line. I wouldn't want my child, if I had one, to be that way. And if they came out and told me that they were that way, I would probably still love them. But I don't think it's a healthy thing, and I don't think it's a good thing. And I think it shows that there's more going on. Regardless, my opinion of that person has no impact. or the, the, the way that I feel about people behaving that way and choosing to dress as the opposite sex has absolutely no impact on the way that I interact with those people. So the notion that people have that think, um, just because you think it's weird and not normal and not a good thing, you're going to treat everyone bad. Really? Like, you don't think that people have the ability to say, yeah, you know what, that is really weird. I, I personally am not cool with it. I don't think it's good. But I'm not going to treat them any differently. I'm going to treat them just like I treat anybody else. And I don't think that's abnormal. I think that most people do that. And so this, this cramming down people's throats of like, you have to accept this. You have to. You, you force them like trans people who get their wieners chopped off and their weenies added to their vajayjays. You have to accept it. Uh, why? The, the person that I'm talking to will never know my opinion. I won't. There's no need for me to tell them. And I don't think people are going around. Remember back in the 80s and 90s, there was like there was this thing called gay bashing that everyone thought was like an epidemic. And I wasn't old enough to know, but I suspect now that I kind of learn how things go, I suspect it probably wasn't an epidemic. I suspect there was probably a few people here and there that got beat up. But I don't know if I would assume that they got beat up just because they're gay. But there will always be barbarians. There will always be people who treat people in a demeaning way because they don't approve of their lifestyle. But that is not the norm. And because it's not the norm, you don't need to preach to us that we have to love and accept these people. And I'm not saying that we don't love and accept them. I'm saying that my opinion of them has no impact on how I treat them. And that is the same for most people. Because the fastest way to turn people against something is to tell them that they have to love it and accept it and enjoy it. Because my reaction is to say, oh yeah, let me show you this. I'll just burn your trans flag because of how much you're telling me I have to fly it. Whereas I typically wouldn't. I don't care. I don't care about the trans flag. I got too many other things going on to care about a flag. 
But if you're going to sit here and tell me that i got to love it and accept it and fly it, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to burn it because I'm going to show you that you cannot tell me what to do. And just for the record, I've never burned a flag of any kind in my life. But that's the fastest way to make people do those types of things is to tell them that they have to buy into your vision and they have to accept whatever it is you're telling them. Imagine going to another religion. Imagine going to Islam, someone, a Muslim, and telling them, uh, you have to conform to our religion. You have to believe what we believe. Otherwise, you're considered hateful and you won't be accepted. That's just not what we do. That's not what we do. And we have to draw the line. And we have to say, hey, just because I don't agree with the things that you agree with doesn't mean I hate the people who follow that lifestyle or choose to behave that way. And it's it's kind of frustrating for me that the average person doesn't understand that. That they just assume that because someone doesn't agree with someone's lifestyle, that they hate them. I don't know how that got started, but it's not healthy. It's, it's causing our country to divide even more. I will say, I thought about something weird the other day, and, and let me just tell you where it came from. So I have a family member right now who's going through a battle with Alzheimer's and unfortunately we all know how this ends and it's a it's a tragedy my grandmother went through the same thing and so that's kind of been you know on my mind I'm, I'm very interested in how the brain works and how it processes things and how things can affect the way we think and perceive things it's it's very interesting to me and so I had the interaction with this person which I don't know if they were trans I don't know anything but I often wondered if someone is a trans person and then later in life, they develop Alzheimer's. I wonder if they forget that they made the decision to change their gender. You know, that is going to be something that, that that will have to be contended with. And I'll be very interested to see how that goes. I, you know, no one probably knows the answer, maybe a, a neurologist or someone like that. But I, I wonder how that's going to go down. These are the types of things that nobody thinks about except for me because I'm alone all the time. At least I hadn't been a witch hunt. I've been witch hunt since day one. I've been fighting acquisitions after acquisitions. You think she really fighting acquisitions? Or you think maybe she was fighting accusations? So did I divide the city? Yes. No. no. The no. city was divided before I even stepped foot well, into the office. City was divided before she even stepped foot into the office. It's kind of how I feel about the country, too. Country was divided long before Chunk set foot into the office. You know what's getting bad? You know what's getting real bad? It's old Fetterman. You know, you hadn't heard me play anything from Fetterman in a while. Remember Fetterman? He was the senator from Pennsylvania who I think he's got, if I had to guess, after his stroke, I feel like he's got the mental acuity of a nine Maybe 10-year-old. I know that's mean. Brandon, he had a stroke. You cannot be mean to him. I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you what I think. I feel like just my guess, my opinion, is that if he could be tested, he would test somewhere at a 9 or 10-year-old's level. And if you're okay, if you're fine with him running the state of Pennsylvania, then that's fine. I'm, you know, I'm glad he's not in Texas. But let's just check in. Fetterman and Biden were on stage together. You can only imagine how much I giggled. 
And now I'm standing next to the president again, next to a, a collapsed bridge here. And he is here to commit to work with the, the governor and the, the, the delegation to make sure that we get this fixed quick, fast as well, too. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, the, the jewel. Uh, he, he tried to say infrastructure. He said infrastructure. Hold on, let's do that again. Infrastructure. Yeah, and then on get this fixed quick, fast as well, too. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. Yeah, and then on top of that, uh, the, the jewel uh, kind of a uh, law of the inflation uh, bill that is going to make sure that there's going to be bridges all across like this, all across. The, uh, okay, that's enough. You know, there's there's a couple more seconds left, but you get the idea, okay? Now, I try to put myself in the shoes of a Democrat when I listen to this, and I think to myself, okay, Brandon, pretend, pretend like you think the government should run more stuff and, and take more money in taxes and pretend like you want businesses to have less control in the government and more. Pretend like you support Biden and you hate Trump. And tell me why Fetterman is good for the country. And I just can't do it. I'm sorry. I tried. I tried to do it. But I just can't. And I don't. You know, when I say things like I giggle, it's not that I'm giggling at these people. I actually feel sorry for them. I truly do feel sorry for them. Someone like Fetterman, I feel like he's been told, you have to. You have to stay up here. Just, just get through it. We got your back. You're not going to be making any big decisions, okay? You're doing fine on stage. Everyone loves you. They understand you had a stroke. You're not expected to speak eloquently. You can wear your hoodie. It's fine. You know, we'll we'll make you a care. We'll make it your brand, right? So that's what somebody told him. We'll make it your brand. You'll be your brand. It'll be you. It'll be John. It'll be Fetterman. It'll be the Fetterman. You you know, people will dress like you for Halloween even. And that's terrible. It's terrible to, to do somebody that way, you know, convince them that everything's fine when it's not. And if it were up to me, if I was the king, I would say, you know what, John, we appreciate your service. Uh, clearly things aren't right. It's time to just retire. Take this this nice Rolex. Go hang on the beach. You can take off that god-awful hoodie and just chill. Your, your work here is done. You know, that's that's what I would do. I wouldn't even whip his behind. I want to whip his behind. That's what I want to do right now. If I thought they wouldn't take me to jail, I'd whip his behind right now. But no, 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 no. They're willing to leave him and the president, anybody up there, because, you know, from their perspective, if they can, if they can put somebody up there that they can control from behind the scenes, well, then, hey, you know what? That works fine, too. That works fine. Let them... Take the fall for all your mistakes. And now it's time for something I like to call the most brilliant idea of the day. I just completely made that up. But I do. I thought of something the other day, and I feel like it's a good idea. And so I thought I'd explain it on here. I don't know. Well, first of all, let me just give you a glimpse into my brain. Here's how my brain works. I was lying in the hammock, and I don't know how it got started, but I think somebody I was listening to must have said someone's name, 
and it was probably Mexican or Hispanic, and it started with a J. And then I thought to myself, man, I feel like there's a lot of Mexican names that start with a J. And then I tried to list them. I was like, Juan, Javier, Julio, Jose, Jesus, Jaime, Jorge, Joel, Julian. And then I was like, man, that's a lot. I could probably keep going, you know, but that's kind of where I stopped. That's where I confirmed my theory that there was lots of Mexican names that start with J. And then I got to thinking about that the way that Latinos do their names. And I thought, you know what's cool? It's cool because what they do is they take two last names and the last name from their mother's family is their third name and the last name from their father's family is their fourth name. So, for example, I have a friend in Nicaragua whose name is Giovanni Antonio Molina Sacasa. And Molina Sacasa, Molina was his mom's family's name. Sacasa was his dad's family name. So that, that way when you go somewhere, you see Giovanni, you know where he's from. You know, you know his family lineage just kind of from his last name. And then that led me to think, you know what? The origins of last names were there for a reason. They were there in order to inform people who we were, where we're from, what we're doing. And I feel like, man, that'd be cool to bring back last names that are meaningful, right? So my last name is Harper. And from what I understand, my family made harps back in the day, which is kind of cool. You know, I don't have any of that DNA in me that still knows how to make harps. But I thought about one day, if I ever have a big, nice foyer, a big fancy entryway that's kind of round and it's got two staircases going up and it's got a big chandelier. I thought about having a big harp right in the middle of the foyer because that'd be kind of cool, right? Symbolic. And all the kids that came over would love to play with the harp. And maybe I could learn how to play like hot cross buns or something. But I thought it'd be cool to have a big harp in my foyer one day. And so why don't why did we end that, you know? Like uh, someone with the last name Johnson, like he was John's son, like William, who's also John's son. And then you kind of know, oh, John, he stay up over on the hill. I know John. But as obviously as populations got bigger, that became harder and harder to keep track of. But I feel like today we could create labels and like abbreviations that would say like maybe the city where you're from, where you went to school and, and like what you what you do for a living or or maybe the level of education that you have and what you do for a living. And then that way you kind of know who you're talking to and you don't waste time talking to people or arguing or, or having a discussion with, with people who disagree with you that aren't qualified. They're not qualified to, to have a discussion and maybe you're not qualified to have a discussion with them and it could add a layer of humility, right? If you walked up to a guy and you saw his name on his door and you knew that he went to Harvard and he was a brain surgeon, but he was in an office building at some business, you would think, man, this dude knows a lot about brains. And so you would probably approach him from a different perspective of, of humility. And you might think to yourself, like, dude, what can I learn from this guy? He could probably tell me my question about Alzheimer's. Like, what happens if a, a transgender person gets Alzheimer's? You know, he might be able to answer that. And so I was thinking, like, man, it'd be cool to bring that back. Bring back that system. Maybe a little bit longer names with some abbreviations. And, you know, I know that they do it with certificates and things that you earn. And they make people feel special when they go to school. And they get an MS after their name or a PhD. And they make everyone call them doctor even though they studied English. 
I don't know. Just just my two cents on you know if if I ever get a chance to rule the kingdom, I will I will bring this before the council, and I kind of feel like I don't know for sure. I was supposed to research this, but I didn't because I'm kind of lazy sometimes. But I thought I kind of feel like Arabs still do that, like like John from the hills of of the goat herding tribe. You know, m- maybe. They got it figured out. Oh, look at my African-American over here. Look at him. Look at him, he say. Speaking of African-Americans, I, I'm going to play you this clip. It's two minutes and 22 seconds long. Now, the reason that I want to play you this clip is because it's a great prelude to the next conversation we're about to have. And I know you're probably thinking, dang, dude, you're like an hour and 20 minutes. You're still going. Yes, I'm still going. This is how I do. This is how I do when my mind be working. All right. So this clip is of Ron DeSanctimonious showing up in Iowa. All right. Where Trump also made an appearance at the Iowa State Fair getting ready for the Iowa caucus. You know what a caucus is? Iowa's a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a line dog faced pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. Don't be no lion dog-faced pony soldier. If you don't know what a caucus is, then just tell me. So they both show up at separate times. The first, the first time Ron DeSanctimonious, or Meatball Ron, which I think is hilarious that Trump calls him Meatball Ron. I'm not saying it's professional. I'm not saying it's political. I'm just saying it's funny. Meatball Ron shows up. And here, I'm just going to play the video. It is so cringe. So he comes out of this little portable building. He's walking down the staircase. He goes and he sits down on stage. And you will just have to listen. Two minutes and 22 seconds. Just just listen. Don't be in a rush. Ladies and gentlemen of the Iowa State Fair, let's welcome Governor Kim Reynolds and Governor... So they're chanting, we want Trump, we want Trump in the background, which is hard. It's kind of noisy. It's a very, very political-esque type video. They're going to play the music, but they're chanting, we want Trump. Ron DeSantis. Very political music playing. He's walking down with his wife and kids. All the things politicians are supposed to be. They're hanging in there with us. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being. This is some lady. I don't know who she is, but she's the hostess. They got him up on stage. Fairside chats. They're doing chats with the presidential candidates. And now Meatball Ron and this lady are sitting on stage here as we have the opportunity well first of all welcome back to the state fair ron it's great to have you here so welcome back no it's great to be here we're really <laughs> excited to see everybody we appreciate uh how nice everybody is um great to be in the midwest i tell people normally when i want to do midwestern nice i just go to go to fort myers in january and i have half the midwest so she's starting to look around like you know when these people are chanting these things I always think to myself, you know what? That's probably just one small group next to the microphone. And the person who's speaking probably isn't even hearing it, you know? Well, this this lady's look is the first 
indication I saw that was like, oh, no, they hear it. They hear it. So this lady looks up. She's talking. No, sorry. He's talking. She's not listening to him because she's trying to figure out who's doing the shouting. And so that's where we're at. There, uh, but we love everybody that comes down to Florida, but particularly Southwest Florida from Iowa. She kind of stands up a little bit. She's paying no attention to him. She stands up, kind of looks at the audience. It, you got to go find this video. Iowa and other parts. Thank you. Well, listen, good friend, former colleague, governor uh, from Florida, and uh, so I appreciate that and appreciate the friendly competition. So Ron's uh, out there uh, doing the 99-county tour. Uh, I think you may be ahead of me. Hey, you know what? You know what? Here we go. We're in Iowa, <laughs> and in Iowa, we're Iowa nice. So let's give everybody the opportunity to hear our candidates. They want nothing to do with that lady. They want nothing to do with so it. So we'll stop. We'll stop until you do, but we're all going to have an opportunity to hear from each and every candidate. That's what we've been doing. So, okay. Hey, you know. This lady is sour. She's got this scout look on her face, and she's like, we will stop. We will stop. We are nice, and we will stop. <laughs> and Meatball Ron's just sitting over there with his tail between his legs. You know what? You know what? We're in Iowa, and in Iowa, we're Iowa nice. So let's give everybody the opportunity to hear our candidates. They don't want it. They don't want so to hear we'll them. So stop. <laughs> we'll stop until you do. But we're all going to have an opportunity to hear from each and every candidate. That's what we've been doing. So, okay. Could you imagine? That's where the video cut off. Could you imagine being Meatball Ron <laughs> and they're shout shouting? Well, you're supposed to have this fair side chat. You're supposed to be talking to some lady about your, your candidacy. And they're shouting, we want your opponent. We want your opponent. <laughs> and they can't shut them up. You know, it's it's funny to me. It's probably not funny to everybody. I get that. Okay. Awkward situations are funny to me. And I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not going to hide behind it. When people get awkward, I think it's funny. And you don't have to agree with me, and that's perfectly fine. You may think that awkward situations are not funny, and it's nothing to laugh at. But I do. So, there's more to it, right? This got me to thinking. I thought to myself, why is it that all the Republicans kind of turned on old Meatball Ron, which is a hilarious name. They, they turned on Meatball Ron, and I've, I've figured out why. It's because they want someone who speaks their language. These people work with their hands. They turn wrenches. They work at banks. They deal with the general public. They speak like me and you. Okay? You take these politicians. And I've said this so many times for so long. If these politicians would just get up and speak to humans like humans, they will run away with every election they could think of. The problem is... They can't do it because they're not humans, right? Joe Biden is not a human. Now, whatever. I'm not going to go. He's not a human. He doesn't think like us. He doesn't act like us. He lives in a different world. But Trump figured it out. And even though Trump lives in Trump land and he doesn't deal with any of the things that we do, he doesn't know what it's like to run out of dish soap and not buy toilet paper. He doesn't know, all right? So, but, but he has figured out how to speak to the people who do run out of dish soap and do have the issue of milk being too expensive for them to buy three gallons. Instead, they just buy two. He knows how to speak to those people, and it's working. 
And the people who despise him hate him because of that. They hate him because he speaks the language of their opponents. And it will continue working for Trump. This will not go away. The only thing that can change is other people coming on the scene following this trend. And it excites me because it's brought people into the political spectrum that have never been involved before. One of my best friends, homeboy cousin Harry, he's like 24. He can tell you a lot about the political arena. It's because Trump brought him in. You know, all these yahoos up until now, the average person, they, they speak in a debate and they're not even having a conversation. But now, with the, with the onset of podcasts and all these people who are now speaking freely, it's becoming common that we listen to the spoken word more. And it only works when people can speak our language. And I don't know <laughs> if they just ushered Meatball Ron back up the stairs and said, get your wife, get your kid, and come on. These people are too disrespectful. You know, that's what they're blaming on. Those damn Trump voters are too disrespectful. They won't even let him speak, which... You know what? I can I can understand that. I would never cheer somebody off stage. I think it's rude, but I also think it's telling. It's telling to how much these people love what they get from Trump. And most of these people couldn't give you one policy that Trump's put into place, all right? They wouldn't they've overlooked the fact that Trump was the first one to turn on the money printer and Trump was the first one to start on the vaccine. They would overlook all that. Because all he has to do is speak to the working man, speak to the average person, and look where that gets him. I hope people take a hint from this. This is something that we've been needing in politics forever, forever. I think the key thing, the thing that will get us there is getting people into politics who aren't these slimeball politicians like Trump, like Vivek Ramaswamy, who I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's another Republican kind of showing up on the scene who's saying the right things i'm still not sure about it. he might be a snake in the grass kind of like old dan crenshaw but either way these people that are that are not born and bred into politics it's very easy for them to communicate with the average human and i think that's a good thing we need average people leading this country because most people here are average you know, remember that time greg abbott tried to bring out Donald J. Trump and the crowd kind of kind of booed him. Oh man, it was cringe. It was cringeworthy. Let me see if I can't dig it up here. Are you ready for Donald J. Trump? I don't, I don't remember what the count was, but he says Donald J. Trump an insanely frequent amount of times given the amount of time this little bring out is. 38 seconds. J. Trump is ready for you. The yeas are getting quieter. Donald J. Trump loves the great state of Texas. And Texans love President Donald J. Trump. He is getting ready to come out here and he wants to see you show your support for our President Donald J. Trump. Now, Donald J. Trump, he also... So cringe. So cringe, as the kids say today. I mean, let's be honest. If we're trying to pick hype men, if we're trying to pick people to hype up the audience, we're going to send out Greg Abbott? We're going to send out Greg 
fill in the blank for a funny joke, Abbott? I don't know. I don't think I am. I'm going to put some country music star, Robert Earl Keane, you know, somebody that just knows how to get people going and can run around and dance around a little bit. I'm not saying it, but I'm kind of saying it. All right, that's it. I'm going to wrap up today's show. I appreciate you listening to the Don't Sue Me Bro podcast. Go check out worldsbesthammocks.com. Find yourself a fancy hammock for a fraction of the world's best anything. Please tell your friend about this podcast. Don't be embarrassed of my opinions or your opinions. They're just opinions, and if people don't like them, they just don't have to listen. But if they're going to be offended, then that's on them. I hope you have a great week. I'd like for you to go out there. Don't be afraid to joke about things just because other people may not think they're funny. Question the government and everything they do. Assume that all politicians are corrupt unless proven otherwise. Help me bring back last names that indicate who people really are. Don't vote for people with mental issues. And whatever you do, under no circumstances, please don't sue me, bro. Funky coma data. Chicks. Put a little Medina in your glass and the girls will come real quick. It's better than any alcohol or aphrodisiac. A couple of sips of this love potion and she'll be on your lap. So I gave some to my dog when he began to beg. And then he licked his bowl and he looked at me and did a wild thing on my leg. He used to scratch and bite me before he was much, much meaner. But now all the poodles run to my house for the funky cold Medina. You know what I'm saying? I got every dog in my neighborhood breaking down my door. I got Spuds, McKenzie, Alex, and Strohs. They won't leave my dog alone with that Medina pal. I went up to this girl. She said, hi, my name is Sheena. I thought she'd be good to go with a little funky cold Medina. She said, I like a drink. I said, mm, well, I'll go get it. And then a couple of sips, she go lick the lips, and I knew that she was with it. So I took her to my crib, and everything went well as planned. But when she got undressed, it was a big old mess. Sheena was a man. So I threw her mouth. I don't fool around with no Oscar Mayawena. You must be sure that your girl is pure for the funky cold Medina. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no plans with a man. This is the 80s, and no, it's down with the ladies. No joke.